Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to continue our study of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah. We are going to study chapter 10 together. Um, 10 is rather long in terms of verses, but the first half is a list of names, so we'll go through that quickly. But um, it's important to understand this chapter in its context, and the context is uh, we just completed chapter 9 where the people uh, in front of Ezra and Nehemiah had prayed, you know, prayed to God, and, and we analyzed and read that prayer. It was a, a long and very important prayer that serves as the basis and foundation for a lot of the uh, structure of Jewish prayer to this day. It started with a review of people reviewing the history of God's kindness uh, uh, to the to the people of Israel, and then um, and the, and then a, a review of the um, poor response of the people, the people's behavior, which wasn't as appropriate as it should have been, and then a prayer that the people asked God to be with them in this difficult time under the domination of the Persian Empire as they tried to reestablish a new a new nation of Judah. The um the uh so all prayer in in the Jewish tradition has to has to be um, followed up by action. We know the the stages, the official stages of repentance are um, vidoy. First, you admit and uh, the and the the problem. You admit the issue, the thing that was done that was wrong. Um, uh, you know, in other words, you have to own up to it, take responsibility. That's vidoy. Charata means regret it. You have to demonstrate true regret that you feel bad about what happened and and so on. And then, of course, then the third step, which is which is accepting upon yourself for the future, Kabbalah for the future. Um, now, so th- this is that stage. Now we went through the vidui, people admitting what they had done wrong in the past and until the present. Charata um, uh, they demonstrated with the sackcloth mourning. Um, uh, now Kabbalah, they're making an acceptance for the future. I- in this chapter, we're going to read what is really the beginning of rabbinic Judaism. This is the beginning of a new type of Judaism which is last, which was set to last through the, um, which really set the pace for the next, uh, you know, uh, four to five centuries of the second temple period. Um, uh, and, and, and beyond, and the rabbinic Judaism that survived beyond the um, to to this day, and this is the time period that the of that the chachamim that the uh, rabbis and of the Talmud and the Mishnah call the Anche Knesset Hagadola, the men of the great assembly. There is reason to believe that the great assembly being referred to when the is this assembly is this assembly of people, and the list of names that we're about to read together are the members of the Anche Knesset Hagadola. Um, there's good reason to believe that there's there's a uh, 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 Yerushalmi there's, in the Jerusalem Talmud that seems to hint to that and in the Pshitta which is uh, one of the early uh, Aramaic uh, uh, translations um, the, these are uh, um, there's reason to believe that 
And certainly, if this, even if this wasn't actually the Knesset, the assembly itself, or the, and these names that we're about to read are not a list of the actual members, it certainly happened in this time, in this context. So we can certainly view it as part of the process, which was later to be known as the Anshik Nesek, the Haggadol, the men of the great assembly, who, who laid the foundation for what later became rabbinic Judaism. So in a, in a sense, we can look at this, the ending of the book of Nehemiah, as the transition from the time period of the prophets to the time periods of the um, of the uh, of the of the Mishnah of the rabbis and so on, as we learn in the beginning of the, the of Masechet Avot in the in the tractate of Mishnah called Ethics of the Fathers, where it says the Neviim misaru alan sheknesat akadola. It's it says that the period of the prophets gave the tradition handed the tradition over to the next stage in the religious development. Of Judaism, and that is the stage of Anshe Knesset Hagadola, and that's what we're reading about now. So when we read this, keep that in mind, and and understand the context and the importance of what we're about to study. Uvacholzos, this is verse one, and with all of this, after saying all of this, this the the the. Uh, regret, the remorse, uh, re- recounting the favors of God and our prayers to God. After all of this, we are making the following um, acceptance upon ourselves. We are going to make a new uh, uh, covenant, a new Brit, a, 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 new, a new covenant with God. This is from the people stating we are making this agreement, this is what we're going to do. And amana could be also some liken this to a constitution. Um, we're going to put down the basis of how we're going to uh, live our lives and relate to God. And we are going to write this down. And of course, we're about to read what they wrote down. And on, on, the, um, on the signed and sealed copy, we will have the names of our officers, our officials, the Levites, and the priests. Uh, many uh, commentaries point out that um, one of Nehemiah's uh, innovations, in, in a sense, one of the things he did, more of a political move, was the elevation of the Levium, of the Levites, and his emphasis on making sure that the Levites got their due. Um, it, clearly, this stems from the fact that apparently the Levites had been neglected, especially since they weren't really so necessary for the temple service. The priests were, so the priests kind of got all the attention and all the funds that came into the temple while the Levites were ignored. Nehemiah made sure to elevate them. Um, and in many ways, this political move probably helped Nehemiah build up a, a group of allies uh, to help him establish his leadership in the uh, Judea, colony, <laughs> Persian colony of Judea. Biala Khatumim and on the the uh, the um, uh, the signatures, in other words, the uh, on the signed copy, these are the ones who are signed. Nehemiah Hatirshata, Nehemiah, who is the Tirshata. Tirshata is the uh, Persian um, title for governor, because uh, Nehemiah was the appointed by the Persian king to be the governor of the province of Judea. Ben Chachalia, who is the son of Chachalia, Vitzidkia, and Zedekiah. Um, um, Siroya, Azaria, Yirmia. Now, interestingly, Azaria here many identify with Ezra, um, uh, and Azaria would be another um, 
a form of the name Ezra. That's possible, maybe yes, maybe no. If it is, then it would at least answer the obvious question that many ask, which is, why wasn't Ezra listed in this in this um, list that we're in the middle of reading? Um, the answer then would be he is, and this would be Azaria here. Pashchur, Amaria, Malkiyah, Chatush, Shivanya, Maluch, Chorim, Miremot, Ovadia, Daniel, Ginton, Baruch, um, Mishulam, uh, Avia, Miyamin. Interestingly, all of these names are, many of these names at least, are names that we're very familiar with. Uh, they're names that were common among the Jewish people. We saw Daniel, we saw Ovadia, and so on. Uh, Mishulam, Avia, Miyamin. I just read that. Maazia, Vilgai, Shemaya, Ela, Kohanim. Those are the Kohanim, it, uh, the, which is another indication that Azariah may be the say. Ezra. We know Ezra was there at this assembly, and Ezra was a Kohen, and he was, and Azariah was just listed in the list of the priests. And then the Levites, this is also uh, presages the, um, the well-known custom today that when, in ritual matters, the Kohen comes first, the Levi comes second, and then the Israelites come third. Um, even though when the people stated who's going to sign, they mentioned the officers, the leaders first, and then the Levites, and then the Kohanim. But when the, it was actually being signed, they had the priests go first, which is a custom that still uh, lives on to this day at the Kriyat Torah and other places when we read the to- from the Torah in the synagogue. Valavim v'Yeshua ben Azania. Uh, uh, it was Yeshua. It's unclear why this particular Yeshua we chose to um, give his father's name. Possibly there was must have been another Yeshua who um, uh, who is this so therefore, or maybe it was a very common name, which is probably the case. We know the name Yeshua was an extremely common name in the Second Temple period, so maybe that's why he only he was identified by his father's name. Binoi mibnechena dod kadmiel. Binoi, who was one of the sons of Chenadal and Kadmiel, the Achehem and their brothers, Shivanya, Hodia, Kelita, Peloya, Hanan, Micha, Rehov, Hashavia, Zakur, Sherevia, Shivanya, Hodia, Vani, Beninu. That uh, completes verse 14. That was the list of the Levites. So we did the Kohanim, the priests, the Levites. Now the general, uh, the, the ordinary Judeans. Or ordinary Israelites, Rashi Ha'am, now the leaders of the nation, the people who are uh, leaders of various political slash religious leaders, Parosh, Pachat, Moav, Elam, Zatu, Bani, another person whose name is Bani, this is clearly a very common name as well, and then in verse 16, Buni, which is uh, uh, another form of the, almost exactly the same name, Asgod, Beivoy, Adoniah, Bigvai, Odin, Oter, Chizkiah, Azur, this is that name is second time around. This is another Mishulam Chazir, Mishezavel, Tzadok, again a very common name, Yadua, Pilitya, Chonon, another common name, Anoya, Hoshea, Hananya, Chashuv, Halochesh, Pilcho, Shovek, Rechum, Chashavna. So that's the list of names. We just completed verse 28. Um, so uh, that was the list of the Israelites who are not either priests or Levites. 
Usha'ar Ha'am, this is verse 29, and the rest of the nation, Ha'kohanim, of the, of the priests, Halavi'im, and of the Levites, these are the, meaning the rest of the people who were not the actual signers, Hasho'arim, the ones who opened the gates, Hamisho'arim, and the singers, Hanitinim, and the servants that, that, that did the manual work for the temple, and all of those who separated themselves from, who came from the Ameho Aratzos, from the peoples of the lands, El Torah Elohim, and joined under the banner of the Torah of God. So this is a reference, uh, the commentaries uh, point out again, a reference to all of those converts who joined the Jewish people from those other nations. I want to point out again, as I've pointed out many times, that in both the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah, every time there was a large gathering of people, they pointed out and made sure to point out that the people who converted from those other nations and joined, they were nivdal, and they used the same language, nivdal el toras ha'elohim, and they joined the Torah of God, meaning they accepted upon themselves to become Jewish, they were welcomed with open arms, and they were part of this assembly here. So the, the, at this amana, at this covenant, which laid the foundations of rabbinic Judaism, the people from the nations around that wanted to join in the Torah were welcomed, Nishehem, including their wives, Benehem, and their sons, Ubnosehem, and their daughters. Nehemiah is, is notably pointed out at every stage of Nehemiah's building, um, there was women involved. Um, and, and he all, always is careful to mention women. Um, this is very unique um, and, uh, and, and a very important thing to note. Uh, I wouldn't say he was exactly promoting equality in that day and age, but it certainly was a step in the, in the right direction. Kol yodea mevin, anyone who is old enough to know and understand. And again, the reason why it's important that he includes the converts is because Nehemiah is about to, in the next few chapters, deal with the intermarriage issue. So therefore, it's extremely important to point out what I've been pointing out in these podcasts, that Nehemiah's issue with the people that intermarried were only with those who were not Nivdulu and joined Torah Elohim, those that did not convert under the banner of Judaism. Those that did convert, he didn't have a problem with. And it was only an issue, and this is clear repeatedly in Ezra and Nehemiah, the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because so many of the commentaries miss this point. And they, they look upon Ezra and Nehemiah, especially um, uh, scholars uh, you know, that are influenced by um, more um, uh, uh, stricter interpretations uh, of, of, of the Torah, and, 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 and they use Ezra and Nehemiah as an example of... of um, of discouraging intermarriage, which is of course true and very important. However, um, it's uh, important also to note that they did not discourage conversion um, and that conversion uh, of people that were ready to join, the Jewish people were encouraged to join and were included in everything. We saw that in Nehemiah at the first celebration of Pesach, in the book of Ezra, the first celebration of Pesach at the second temple period and so on. We saw it several times and I pointed it out. Verse 30, They join with their brothers, in other words, all the people of the public join with the leaders that signed, who were their leaders, and they all come, everyone comes under this this um, 
agreement uvishvua and this uh, this um, oath lolechet b'torat Elohim to go in the ways of the Torah of God asher nitna biad Moshe ved Elohim the Torah which was given through the, by the hand of Moshe who was the servant of God vilishmar and to guard it carefully vilasos and to do as kol hamitzot Adonai Adonenu all of the commandments of the Lord our God umishpatav and his laws vichukav and his rules so God was given. It was given to us to um, to um, keep all of these uh, these commandments. Uh, and we will not give our daughters in marriage. And this is these are the agreements. Now, the first thing is this is a general thing, which often is the case. We will keep all of God's rules, um, and 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 they also this is they, they uh, laid out the the basic belief of Judaism, which is that the Torah and these commandments were given by God through his servant Moshe. Um, now, the first thing they're saying is they understood and they un- that the source of straying, in many cases, is, is when they intermarry with the nations of the land that did not, were not Nivdalu. Uh, 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 from Miamiyarts that did not separate themselves from Miamiyarts did not want to join under the banner of the Torah those who did were in this group uh, those who did convert to Judaism and accept the Torah were in this group that were making this Shavua those that did not when when one married into those groups one would then um, take on, on some of their beliefs some of their customs and eventually Judaism would uh, uh, would assimilate into the general culture of the surrounding area and and get lost and they understood this and they understood this very well that if they're establishing this this new nation again reestablishing the nation of Israel and they want to uh, make it last they can't allow this type of um, intermarriage that they will not give their daughters to the people of the land, and we will not take their daughters for our sons as wives. And the nations of, okay, and, the, and then they immediately go to an example of what this relationship with the people of the land leads to. One of the key things that happens is the day of Shabbat, the seventh day of the week, the day of Shabbat, which is a day of rest, a day where the cohesiveness and unity of the community with God is cemented when people get together um, and, and, and pray and worship and eat uh, nice meals and celebrate with God. The people of the land don't have this custom and they're involved in business. So, it's verse 32, the people of the land, they bring all of their wares and all their business. They, they're acting on the day of Shabbat to sell their things. We're not going to buy from them. We're not going to open the markets on the day of Shabbat and, and on holy days, in other words, on, on the, our holidays. <laughs> they realize that conducting business, uh, get, uh, having jobs that have one work on Shabbos, would sep- on Shabbat separate them from God, separate them from the basic and most important practices of Judaism. So we, A, we're not going to marry into them, in order to create the separation, and B, we are not going to um, allow this business to keep going on Shabbat. Now, this is not a Torah law. The Torah doesn't say anything specific about about trading uh, or, or doing business on Shabbat specifically. The Torah mentions work, and we know the, the categories of work. We learn them from the building of the tabernacle, and business isn't one of the categories of work, but they understood that this deteriorates 
the this is something that ruins the um, the the nature of Shabbat. So here we have the beginnings of rabbinic decrees. Here we see the the Anshek Neset Hagadola making these decrees, not doing business, trading money, etc. On Shabbat, Uma Vnitosh, and then okay. And another thing that 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 this is leading to is the no longer practicing the Shemitah, no longer practicing the seven, the sabbatical year. Just like Shabbat is important, so is the sabbatical year. And the sabbatical year in times when, uh, uh, and so therefore they promise here, v'nitosh et shana hashviyit, and also, and we, we, will, we will leave out, we will not uh, take in the produce that's produced in the seventh year, masochal yod, and we will, cancel the debts. Now remember, Nehemiah emphasized the cancellation of debts as a very important social mechanism to, to, to um, equalize the divide between the poor and the rich. To, um, the uh, income gap is very much controlled in the Torah. The meaning and purpose of forgiveness of debts every seven years is, is so that the poor shouldn't continue getting more and more and more indebted, which ended up resulting in people's uh, children being sold away as slaves, as we saw. We discussed this earlier in Nehemiah at much more length. And this is a very important part of this amana, of this new covenant, that we're going to keep that cancellation of debts, we're going to, and we're going to keep the sabbatical year. We have put upon ourselves these commandments. This is a hint that these are... Um, uh, they understood that these are measures that they're taking in order that are not necessarily commanded by the Torah itself. Some of them are, some of them aren't, but the measures that they're taking upon themselves in order to uh, guard the Torah. We're going to give a third of a shekel every year to the uh, worship to, to to the work that's needed to be done in the temple. Now, um, the house of our God. Now, why is this lishita shekel? Why is it they say a third of the shekel? And we know the Torah says machzita shekel, that it's half a shekel. Some say that this was an addition, just like the other things. This, I, I prefer this approach because it goes along the path of the other things we've studied and, and we've just read about, which were the people accepting upon themselves additional things over and above what they are required by the Torah. So yes, we do the machatit, the half shekel, but we're also going to give an additional third. Some say that, no, this is the same thing. It's just that the uh, money exchange changed over the years, and now the third shekel is equivalent in value to what the half shekel was in the days of the Torah. So there's other approaches. I, I told you why I preferred the first approach. And what are, what are these funds going to be used for? Lelechem hamarechet for the showbread in the Beis Hamikdash, in the temple, minchat atamid, and for the um, daily offering, uh, meal offering, laolat atamid, and for the daily animal a burnt offering, hashabatot, and the ones that are needed for Shabbat for on Shabbat, hachadashim on the the ones that are needed on the first day of the month, and for all of the holidays, and for all of the holy offerings that need to be brought, and for the sin offerings, which are brought, especially on the, on the special holidays, is usually a carbon chatas, a, a sin offering that is brought for the entire community. And all the work that's needed to be done to upkeep the temple. We have go rolot, and this is verse thirty-five. And we have cast lots, hipalnu, al kurban ho'itim, 
among uh, uh, regarding the wood offering, the wood that needs to be brought, which is a significant amount of wood that needed to uh, uh, be brought for the flames on the on the altar. Um, so we we laid out uh, lots. We put out lots. Hakohanim halavim viyam for among the priests, the Levites, and the general public, in order in allotting who brings the wood at which times of the year uh, to the temple of Eitavosenu, to the house of our forefathers, for specific times throughout the year, in order to burn the fire on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the Torah, and we agree to bring the first fruits, uh, the Bikurim, which is a mitzvah in the Torah, Uvikure Kopri, uh, and the first of all fruits, Kol Eitz Shana Bishana. Now they're saying the first of all fruits, which is not, which again is over and above their obligation of bringing only from the seven fruits of the land. Again, this is them accepting upon themselves something over and above what they're required to do, Lebet Adonai to the house of our God. So the support and the upkeep of the temple is is as obviously being taken very seriously by the people. Yet bechorot panenu vemtenu and the and the firstborn of our children and the firstborn of our animals kakosuv Torah, we will deal with them as the Torah commands. As we know, the firstborn of the children um, uh, are redeemed, so to speak, by the priest. The the father uh, gives a symbolic uh, amount of money to the priest. Uh, so, so uh, on, on the occasion of his firstborn son, um, as, and that money obviously goes to the priest. It's another important source of income, and the firstborn of the animals are, are brought as as a carbon, as a, a sacrifice in the temple. Yet uh, and and the firstborn of our um, cattle, vitzoninu and aship lhavil beit we're going to bring to the temple of our God lakonim to the priests hamishar simbeveis elohenu that serve in the house of our God vesreishis arisotenu and uh, the beginnings of our challah when we make dough uh, we take a portion of the bread utumosenu and our teruma our our, our um our, the, which are the gifts that are given to the priests is also a Torah obligation free call eight tirosh v'yitzar and the fruits of of Every one of our trees, whether they're olive trees or, or, or grapevines, will bring the portion, the proper portion of teruma to the priests into the storerooms of the temple of the house of our God. And it's important we're going to give our maaser, our tithe, to the Levites. And these will be the cholareavodosenu. Um, uh, um, and these are the Levites who who collect the the ma'asrim uh, here would mean that they're collecting the tithes in all of the cities in which we work. In other words, these Levites are, and this is important because it, it seems apparent that the the temple people understood the importance of supporting that, but but the Levites, the Levim, they were scattered throughout the land and lived in different communities throughout the, the, the land. And people ignored them and they didn't give them their tithes. So the people are saying here now, which is part of the reason why Nehemiah elevated them, not part of it, one of the main reasons, to say, no, you have to make sure to take the maser, to take the tithe that they deserve because they are going to serve as a religious class, a religious functioning class, uh, to teach the people a religion which is not just a temple, it's much more than that. So they have an important role to play. And the, when the Levim collect their maser, their tithe, 
there will always be a priest with them because we know, as the Torah commands us, there is a trumat master. The Levim also have to give a portion to the of the of what they collect in tithe. They give a trumat master. They give a tenth of what they collect to the priest. They take the maser of the maser, the tenth of a tenth, el halishachos levesa which will end up going into the storerooms in the house in the temple, so that it would be consumed eventually by the priests themselves. Ki el halishachos yisrael, because it is to these storerooms, and these storerooms are going to play an important role in the upcoming paragraphs and upcoming chapters in Nehemiah when we see when Nehemiah is going to go back to Persia and the people are going to, his enemies are going to start taking over the storerooms. The storerooms, which is where all this wealth is being kept, are going to be very important. And, and this verse is telling us now the source of all of the wealth, the food, the money, um, the, and so on, uh, gold and silver being kept in these storerooms of the temple Yavu, the Levites and the Israelites because remember the Levites also give Trumat Maser like we just described at Trumat HaDagon the gifts of grain HaTirosh and wine and oil Bisham and that is also where the vessels of the temple are kept and these the priests who serve and the gatekeepers and the singers we will not abandon the house of our God, we will not abandon the temple. Now, this is the constitution that was written, the, the, the prayers and preamble that led to the constitution. This is what the people agreed, and we have just read what is really the first, the beginning of rabbinic Judaism, which we just described, one of the very important event in Jewish history. Thank you so much for paying attention and, and studying together with me in Nehemiah chapter 10. Uh, looking forward to studying chapter 11 and of course the rest of the book in the family together.